Kill by Duran Duran. Uh, a lot better than the past couple of uh, theme songs we've had for James Bond. Very 80s. Very, very 80s. Uh, actually, the next theme song will be even more 80s. Uh, but No. <laughs> no, I actually enjoy it. It's, okay. it's nice for the time. I, I enjoy the song, even though it's mistitled. It should have been Into the Fire. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just like... Uh, Nobody Does It Better has uh, The Spy Who Loved Me as a lyric, but uh, it's not called The Spy Who Loved Me. Yeah. So, uh, all right. So, before we get into plot or the breakdown of this movie, what'd you think? 
just beginning well, to end as a whole finished product. I feel like it went up and down like one of those graphs, you know, when you're trying to figure things out, you look and see the high points, low points, whatever. It went like ridiculous down to boring. Then ridiculous again and boring. <laughs> I kind of had those. I zoned out a few times. So this movie is all over the map for me. Yeah. There are points where I'm like, oh, uh, you've you've got my interest. You, I, I am in for this ride. And then, ten seconds later, a bonkers decision is made, like playing California girls during a snow chase. <laughs> yes. We'll get to that shortly, but. <laughs> Just, I was trying to figure that one out. I'm like, they're not in California. So it's not the beach. We'll we'll talk about it. But there's <laughs> there's all sorts of insane decisions that happen in this movie, and some of them are fun, and some of them are just mind boggling. Yeah. And the only thing I can imagine, and, and this, you'll note, apparently I think about cocaine a lot, but <laughs> is that. During the 1980s, it was the drug of choice. I've heard multiple interviews with multiple actors, producers, directors, and to loosen up the set, uh, there would just be mounds of cocaine for the people on set. And I can't imagine that the writer's room was exempt from that on this particular film. Yeah. Um, because this movie is insane. It is just bonkers. Yeah. And uh, the the thing I'll, I'll note right up front before we get into the movie proper is this is Roger Moore's last film. Uh, at one point uh, during the production of the film, it's it's been said that uh, Roger Moore was talking to Tanya, I forget what her last name is. Uh, she's the Bond girl in this film. Uh, Sally, Sally Sutton. And uh, she is talking to him on the set one day and he brings up something and she's like, oh, my mom loves that. <laughs> and he said, oh, right. And yeah. he knew that it was time to leave. Yeah, I mean, he's old enough to be her father. <laughs> uh, he's been old enough to be several yes, Bond girls' uh, fathers yeah, that's true. at this point. 57 uh, uh, during the making of this film. And he both looks younger than that and older than that, <laughs> depending on the scene he's in. And... Uh, honestly, I hope that when I am 47, I look that good, but <laughs> my, my goodness, this, th there are certain characters that once they reach a certain age, maybe they should stay in retirement, <laughs> yeah. uh, or be recast. But this is, a this is a weird one. Yeah, it, it definitely was. So you want to... Just get right into it. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So uh, this movie is very unusual in that uh, immediately after the MGM roar of Leo the Lion, uh, instead of getting the gun barrel right away, we get a disclaimer. <laughs> we get a disclaimer that uh, the character Zorn in this film is not a relation to anyone real or uh, imagined. It's... It's a bonkers disclaimer right at the front. And apparently there was a tech company in Silicon Valley at the time that this movie was being made that had a name that was very, very similar. Oh, how funny. And they were scared of getting their pants suited off. So they put a disclaimer at the front of the film <laughs> just to make sure, even though they could have done it at the tail end and been just as legally secure, 
they did it at the front of the movie. Yeah, that's hilarious. Now, and it flashed kind of quickly for me. Of course, I'm a slow reader. Like, I didn't quite get what it said. I just saw the character Zorin or whatever, and that's all it was able to... So, effectively, it would be... Uh, it would be like me making a movie and making a villain whose name was Dave Ramsey, <laughs> who yeah. was a balding financial planner and he's the devil incarnate and yeah and then i'm like oh crap there's someone who's exactly like that in real life <laughs> uh i don't want to get sued so i put a disclaimer in it um that one's free uh <laughs> it, it was something to that effect except mine would be on purpose and theirs was uh theirs was seemingly seemingly coincidental yeah uh it reminds me of watching a television show and someone pitches something and they come to find out it, it's because they actually saw the name somewhere in the building they're in <laughs> yeah but once once we get past the disclaimer that's uh, very awkward at the beginning of this film uh we get our gun barrel scene and then we are off to a snowy scene uh come to find out in siberia yeah. being trolled uh patrolled by soviet troops uh, Bond finds a corpse with a microchip in a locket, and a ski chase ensues. Uh, how many how many uh, ski chases does this make now? I, Baker's dozen. I don't know. Yeah. It's uh, this is Bond movie fourteen, I believe, and it's been a few. Let's see. Uh, let me count them <laughs> off. So we get a ski chase in. Uh, Honor Majesty's Secret Service. We get a ski chase in. Uh, did we get one with Connery? No. I thought we did. Did we? Which one? I uh, don't remember. They all run together now. Yeah. See. <laughs> uh, we got one uh, with. Uh, we got one with Roger Moore in For Your Eyes Only. We've gotten. I, I don't want to do this to the audience. Audience, <laughs> go out, watch these movies for yourselves. They, <laughs> there are enough of them. Yeah, There's enough are. rear projection ski scenes in uh, in the Bond films. The most famous being the beginning of The Spy Who Loved Me, uh, where he parachutes off the cliff. Yeah. Anyhow, back at this Sorry. movie, uh, Bond loses a ski, which he's want to do apparently uh and he carjacks a snowmobile which gets blown up by the chopper that's chasing him and he uses the strut off of it as a snowboard and up to this point in the film we've got john barry's score which is perfect uh we've got a really good looking ski chase scene some really good stunt work happening uh we've got some escalating action with the chopper and the troops and then out of nowhere because bond is snowboarding and they apparently equate snowboarding with <laughs> surfing they start playing the beach boys and it's not even the beach boys beach boys it's the off-brand beach boys singing <laughs> california girls and it is out of place yeah uh, I, felt, I felt that and uh bond bond escapes he uh, kills a helicopter with a flare and then he gets aboard a submarine that's disguised as an iceberg. 
Uh, and at this point, he uh, sleeps with his romantic partner, number one, aboard what I am affectionately calling the Slee Sub. This thing's got a, a round padded bed. It's got <laughs> all kinds of stuff. All Bond has to do is hit a break and the girl falls into bed with him. Yeah. It, just a sleaze was it, was it just me or did it as it being disguised as an iceberg? Like all the icebergs around were white and glistening and that was like dirty. Like a dirty iceberg. Well, that was a southern iceberg and <laughs> those were all northern icebergs. I'm like, it didn't can, quite even match. It was like... You can tell them apart because it's all fake. Um, <laughs> we then get the neon-coated uh, Duran Duran music video, which we skipped over for this viewing because this thing can only run so long. <laughs> and time is money. Or, unless it's not. Um, we're not getting paid for this, are we? No, I don't think so. Uh, then we better hurry it along. Uh, <laughs> we catch up with Q, who has made a robot dog because he's been watching Doctor Who. Canine was all the rage in the 1970s. Um, and uh, it's at this point in the movie that uh, all of our important characters, M, uh, the Prime Minister or Minister of Defense, and uh, Bond are talking about how important microchips are because it is 1985, the year of our Lord, the year the most important person I know, me, was born. Um, and uh, we're, we're going to talk about the deus ex machina of technology, which is the microchip. Uh, and... We find out that the microchip that James Bond uh, grabbed off of the Soviets in Siberia uh, apparently is uh, the newest microchip being produced by the Zorn uh, Enterprises. And there's some sort of a leak. They know something's off. And so place they're going to catch up with Zorn and we're going to spend entirely too much time is at the races. Yeah. Uh, it's important to note at this point in the film that uh, this movie is the last time that we're going to see Lois Maxwell as Moneypenny. Um, it appeared that they were going to phase her out a movie or two ago with Miss Smallbone. Uh, the audiences reacted poorly to that, so Miss Smallbone was retired before Moneypenny. Uh, and uh, this is our last Roger Moore as well. So, uh, everyone just seems sad to be on the set. And the movie feels it. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, at the races, Max Zorn, played by, uh, oh, why am I blanking on his name? Walking. Christopher Walken. <laughs> he has one of the most iconic <laughs> ways of speaking around without punctuation. It's <laughs> interesting. Um, but he's there with Grace Jones, who is intimidating uh, in this film, as she is in real life. Um, and they win the race, and everybody involved knows that <laughs> something's up, because the horse ran really, 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 really hard uh, the last lap, which was much harder than it ran the whole race, and everyone knows stuff is up. And Sir Godfrey Tibbet, who has the most British name in this film, uh, lets Bond know that he has someone investigating Zorn. Uh, Bond meets with this investigator who uh, is the most stereotypical Frenchman that we've ever seen with a big, big old French mustache, just, just <laughs> flat on his face. And he's kind of a pig talking about the lady who is uh, uh, 
running the show that they are at at the top of the Eiffel Tower. Oh, did you know that there's a restaurant at the top of the Eiffel Tower? I didn't. Did you? Yeah, because there's not one. Um, <laughs> and uh, the investigator is killed by the butterfly attacker, um, who is uh, very distinctively colored and shaped uh, because it is Miss Grace Jones in the worst disguise imaginable. Anyhow, this attacker uh, face jumps off of the Eiffel Tower. Bond gives chase in a stolen taxi that literally falls apart as it is touched by anything. <laughs> At one point, he is driving around with literally the driver's seat and the front wheels of yeah. the automobile. He crashes the taxi, jumps off a bridge uh, into a wedding cake, just in time to see the attacker, Mayday, escape. And yes, her name is Mayday because puns. So at this point, we learned that Bond is going to go undercover as uh, Sir William St. John Smythe. Nope! He has to use his first name. Anytime he's undercover, he is James St. John Smythe. <laughs> Later in the film, he is going to go by something else. First name, James. Yeah, uh, I noticed. I'm like, why not just change your whole name? Get, you know, distract him from the James part. Well, Maybe it's because he can't remember his own name and he has to use his own first name or he'll forget who he is. <laughs> um, but anyhow, uh, undercover, we find that Zorn is studying in a massive estate that was honestly kind of frightening. It was a bigger castle than the bad guy had in Moonraker, so we <laughs> know this guy's up to no good. Yeah. Uh, Bond is uh, greeted by henchwoman Jenny Flex, uh, Miss Allison Duty from Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Uh, and both of her names, both real and fictional, are funny. Um, Bond treats uh, Sir Godfrey as absolute trash because he's undercover as Bond's valet. Uh, and Bond finds that Zorn has written a $5 million check uh, to a Miss Sutton. Uh, and at this point, they're at a dinner party that is all over the place thematically. We've got people in <laughs> like 17th century servant garbs with powdered wigs. We've got a lady dressed as a geisha. We've got people just wearing just 80s clothes. We've got people in like formal tuxes. It's all over the place. I literally wrote in my notes, what is this party? Um, you say, come as you are from whatever other party you were already at. There is no dress code. Right. Um, come as you are. But Bond is greeted by the most stereotypical Nazi, complete with a monocle. Um, and at this point, the ever just does not fit uh, Sir Godfrey Tibbet is just sneaking around like a ninja. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this feels like a bad idea. This guy does not know what he is doing. Yeah. Uh, Bond meets up with him. Uh, we find out that Pegasus, uh, Zorin's horse, has had surgery recently. Uh, and obviously steroids are involved. But we find out that also microchips are involved. Because <laughs> why not? Uh, we also find out that Max Zorin is hoarding these microchips for whatever reason. Uh, Mayday and Zorin uh, fight flirt. Uh, looks really awkward, uncomfortable, and uh, not just for them, but for the audience as well. Yeah. Um, Bond sneaks into Mayday's room and presents himself like a birthday gift, just naked under the sheets. 
uh, <laughs> and they sleep together in what I didn't think could be more uncomfortable than the previous scene, but was. It was more uncomfortable. <laughs> um, there's some behind-the-scenes stuff you can look up on that. Just look up uh, Grace Jones, Roger Moore. You'll find it. It's easy. Um, <laughs> it's at this point the next morning that Bond goes to meet with Zoran. Zoran says that he's going to find uh, Sir James St. John Smythe uh, horse uh, in the meantime, he's using his computer to find the real identity of this person who is obviously undercover. His identity is compromised down to the fact that he's 007. He has a license to kill. Uh, Sir Tibbet goes to town while Bond rides Inferno, Zoran's horse that is obviously jacked up on steroids. Uh, Sir Tibbet is killed uh, at a car wash, which is just the worst way to go. <laughs> I mean, in a Rolls Royce, cool, but murdered by a woman in the backseat of a Rolls, not the way to go. Yeah. And it's at this point that uh, Bond rides just an absolute vicious steeplechase through the uh, through the estate. And at this point in the film, I'm wondering why we have spent all this time on horses when microchips seem to be the main thrust of this right. film. And... Uh, the film keeps on going. However, we are going to take a short break because talking about horses is exhausting. All right, and we're back. I've got my notes that look like they were written by the Zodiac Killer. That is not a confession. Um... Man, whew. this is a movie. Uh, apologies if you hear a uh, high-pitched squeal in the background. It is not your player or headphones. Uh, apparently, we've got a neighbor who's working on their car, and it is not going well from the sounds of it. So if you hear that in the background, just pray for whoever this poor individual is who's working on a car that sounds like that. All right, back in the movie. Bond finds Tibbet's body as he's confronted by Zorn uh, at the tail end of the steeplechase. And thank God we're done with horses. Uh, Mayday pushes uh, the Rolls Royce with Bond and Tibbet's body into a lake. Uh, Bond survives by sucking air out of a tire valve, which I don't know that you could actually do. Yeah, I was thinking, I'm like, how many people have drowned because they thought they could do that after watching that movie? Or exploded their or lungs. Exploded their lungs or died I, of, like, whatever was coming out of there because it's not good air. Gotten the bends. I don't know. <laughs> Anyhow, we find out at this point that Zorin has been working undercover for the KGB, uh, except he doesn't like doing that anymore, so he decides to go out on his own. And uh, the KGB don't like that. They say, bad, Zoran. Bad. No one leaves the KGB. No one leaves the KGB. Uh, in the background of the scene, uh, we get uh, Head Cannon. It's the same character. Uh, but we get Dolph Lundgren. Uh, and I like to think that he's uh, playing Ivan Drago from uh, Rocky IV. <laughs> Uh, Ivan Drago was the uh, Russian villain in Rocky IV. Um, because they're both Russian characters, I'm going to pretend they're the same person. We're going to roll with that head. Okay. Jacket. I'm not sure who you're talking about. 
And it's because you don't remember the Rocky movies. That's okay. Yeah. We'll do those next. Uh-oh. No, we're not doing those next. They're we're gonna we're gonna pick more middle ground stuff. Anyhow, uh, we find out at this point that Zorin's plan is to monopolize computer chips uh, in and around Silicon Valley. Uh, in the meantime, Bond goes to meet his CIA contact. He goes to a fish market in San Francisco and says, "I'd like to see the soft shell crabs." And they walk around a corner, and the CIA agent goes, "Hey, I'm Hong's CIA." How many people did he show his badge to? <laughs> Just because they were like, oh, we're by the bay. Let's get some soft shell crab. Maybe it's the words he used because of the exact, I'd like to see them instead of, I, do you have any? <laughs> what are the odds, though? I know. That any white middle-aged yeah. schmuck walks into the room and walks onto the pier and says, hey, I know they're not up front. Can I see the soft shell crabs? And he's like, oh, oh. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. <laughs> Hong, CIA. Well, wh where are the crabs? Oh. You did. <laughs> control, uh, I'm going to need you to get rid of another body. Um, it's it's not great. Anyhow, we find out uh, from a guy who heads up the local crabbing community, because that's someone to just bring into this conversation now. <laughs> that Zorin has an oil pumping station that has made a crabbing spot disappear. Uh, Bond goes to investigate, and he's almost sucked into a turbine. In the meantime, the KGB are monitoring the station, and uh, one of uh, the KGB is captured by Zorin's men, uh, and uh, he is executed by being thrown into a turbine. Uh. But... Not before they make him disarm the bomb that he'd placed on the turbine. <laughs> right. And I'm like, they're going to kill you. Take a few of them with you. Don't yeah. disarm the bomb. Just make it go off right then and there. Yes. Be a lot quicker than a turbine. Anyhow. Yeah. Uh, so at this point in the film, I just wanted to note, uh, Bond has already had two romantic partners. This is in 1985, the height of the AIDS epidemic. <laughs> And uh, at this point, Bond meets up with the other Soviet agent, who is a spy, uh, and proceeds to have sex with her. Uh, so this, in the space of about an hour and ten minutes at this point, Bond has had three romantic partners, not a sign of protection anywhere, <laughs> height of the AIDS epidemic. Bond is doing his role to spread AIDS. Um, he steals the tape that she was recording of Zorn's plan. Uh, she thinks she has it as she gets into the car, but no, she has the music in, that was playing in the bathhouse where they had the most uncomfortable sex imaginable. Uh, <laughs> Bond at this point poses as a journalist. Uh, his name is going to be uh, Sir... Uh, no, can't be a Sir as a journalist. Uh, he's going to be Bill Journalman. Nope, he's not going to do that. <laughs> He is going to be James uh, something rather else. Uh, James Stock. There it is. Because why not? Uh, Bond goes and interviews Mr. Howe at San Francisco City Hall. Uh, Mr. Howe is like, no, no, no. This, this guy's Orin. He's, he's cool. He's on the up and up. 
Bond rolls his eyes as he decides to pursue the woman who was paid a $5 million check. He uses a sharper image credit card because Bond movies are funded by product placement <laughs> uh, to break into Miss Sutton's house. Uh, and she pulls a gun on him. She should go with those instincts, but she doesn't. Instead, they fight off the attackers who are coming to threaten her. Uh, and we get a slow, slow fight um, that ends with her smashing a vase over one of the bad guy's heads. Yeah. Which in itself is not a problem until she said, it's my grandfather's ashes. There's nothing in there. When there were no ashes <laughs> in the urn. She could have said, that belonged to my great-grandfather. That vase has been in the family for ages. Not, those were my grandfather's ashes. Yeah. There would have been a puff of, of dust everywhere when she smashed it on the guy's head. <laughs> so, uh, Bond and uh, Sally, I think is her name, uh, have the most romantic dinner where he makes a quiche. <laughs> uh, because he called it an omelet. Yes, he called it an omelet, which in no way is an omelet because an omelet is a folded egg. Right. It's not in a crust. Yeah. So they meet with a CIA agent Softshell. Um, and uh, he's like, hey, it really sucks that you got fired from your job for uh, paying attention and stuff. I'm going to go uh, I'm going to go back to headquarters. And as he gets in the car, Mayday strangles him to some bad 80s pop music. And uh, Bond and Sally come out and you would think they would see that this five foot two Asian man wasn't driving the car, but rather the six foot two African American woman was driving. Yeah. Uh, but no, they're like, oh man, he he's sitting taller today. He's, he's looking <laughs> good. I mean, he's he's changed shape, color, and everything else. But man, he's you do you, soft shell. You do you. So. Uh, Bond and Miss Sutton go to City Hall to investigate what's going on, and they're confronted by Zorn and Mayday. Uh, Mr. Howe is still in his office because he has no work-life balance, and Zorn uh, kills Bond after uh, Mr. Howe calls the police to say there are intruders in the building. And they set up, honestly, a pretty good plan to frame Bond. Uh, they then set fire to City Hall. And we get a really slow escape sequence where Bond and Sutton escape out of uh, the elevator chasm. And instead of going down, because it's only four floors up, yeah, uh, they do this really awkward escape through an upper floor uh, down a ladder. Fire hose. Yeah, it's not great. Like, why didn't he use the fire hose to put the fire out? It's... Because it wasn't that big of a fire yet. Yeah, I, or I would have done this whole scene in a bigger building. Anyhow, <laughs> Bond uh, Bond's arrested outside for the murder of the gentleman inside, Mr. Howe, uh, and he escapes on a fire truck. And we get a chase scene through the city of San Francisco, and it's, uh, after so many great chase scenes in this franchise, it's just so much lesser. Yeah. It was very anticlimactic, I feel. Yeah, it just, it it wasn't great. Anyhow, uh, they drive this same fire truck over to Zoran's mine, because that's not going to look 
we well, it was an all... overnight drive to yeah to so, to the area that truck. is literally six miles away <laughs> yes i looked in a map <laughs> they infiltrate zorn's mind uh and they find out that the plan is to flood silicon valley um and while they're inside zorn decides hey we're gonna go ahead and start this party they chase bond and uh, miss sutton down the mine mayday and the girls give chase uh zorn blows up a bomb but not the bomb it's important to know that he blows up a set of explosives but it's not the set of explosives there's a big difference even though the movie never really clarifies it until after it's done (laughs) uh so he blows up the mine kills tons of nameless miners and jenny flex uh and the rest that are standing around just not deciding to defend themselves he just shoots them all in a very graphic scene um mayday having been uh almost blown up by her lover and seeing her friends dead has a change of heart uh because all the other evil crap and murder that was done before wasn't enough yeah it it was the fact that well it's the fact that he decided that she wasn't worth coming out yeah, I, I think that the attempted rape earlier would have been yeah, enough to set it off. But anyhow, <laughs> uh, at this point, proving that he is the worst kind of villain, Zorn flies a blimp. And uh, Bond and Mayday uh, use the claw game to grab the bomb uh, as opposed to a bomb. And after they pull the bomb out, they're like, okay, we've got to be careful because if this thing goes off anywhere in the mind, it'll blow up these explosives. After the other bomb went off in the mind. <laughs> yeah. They would have all been paced. Right. It didn't make sense. Anyhow. This is the point where I kind of zoned out because I was kind of bored by it. That's all right. We're in the home stretch. <laughs> I've, I've got to be honest. Out of all the Roger Moore movies we've seen, this is hands down my least favorite. Yeah. I, I get that. And it's it's just... Uh, I. I've loved his movies up till now, even the bad ones, and this one is just... <laughs> it's not Diamonds Are Forever level of stinker, but it's not great. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, everyone's last Bond movie, compared to the height of their Bond powers, is nowhere near uh, as good as their first one. The yeah. only person who gets a last movie that is as good as their first is George Lazenby because he only did one. (laughs) Yeah. Anyhow, uh, Mayday sacrifices herself and gets blown up. Uh, Zorin flows in on, uh, flies in on the (laughs) slowest moving vehicle imaginable. uh, And Bond and Stacy are running towards each other and he's like, look out! As if this blimp was doing 150 <laughs> miles an hour to zoom in and catch her. Yeah. I mean, she could have taken a coffee break, run over to the 7-Eleven, gotten a coffee, <laughs> taken a bathroom break, come back and still had time to get captured in the time that blimp would have moved yeah. in. Anyhow, she gets grabbed up and Bond just jumps on because he's Bond. Uh, Zorn attempts to... Uh, to kill Bond because his henchman gets knocked out. Uh, and we just get a, a fight 
up on top of the Golden Gate Bridge. And just like all the other fights in this movie, it's really slow and awkward. Uh, Zorin, I, I kind of like the way he dies. He kind of chuckles before he finally falls to his death as a dummy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then at this point in the movie, I'm like, all right, so the Nazi doctor's left. He's going to he's gonna try to do something that makes sense to kill Bond, like, you know, grab another axe or, or use the gun. And he shoots at Bond a couple of times, but when he misses, he doesn't go grab an axe or anything that might, you know, actually kill Bond. He grabs dynamite <laughs> out of a safe in the blimp. Yeah. And the safe looks like a mini fridge. <laughs> and so... We, in this movie, as cartoony as we have existed in any of the rest of it, where Bond cuts the rope that's holding the, holding the blimp to the bridge, the blimp takes off suddenly, you know, at five miles an hour, and the bad guy drops the dynamite and blows up the blimp. And, man, just not a great way for the bad guy to go. Yeah. Um... Bond wins the Order of Lenin from uh, the Soviet Union, uh, the first British agent to do so. Uh, and uh, Bond's robot finds, uh, or Q's robot, pardon me, uh, finds Bond making sexy times with Miss Sutton in the shower. <laughs> Bond throws a rag on it, and we end with a shot of the Bay Area. And, oh my gosh, Roger Moore, you should have gone out with Octopussy. That, yeah. That, would have been such a better ending for your character. Just this was this was a rough one. It's entertaining. It's bonkers. There's some <laughs> ridiculous stuff that happens in this movie that's funny. It has entertainment value, but yeah. wow, just not a great way to go. Yeah, not at all. I I think like it, during the um the scenes like when they were at the horse ranch and the fight comes out where they were in front of the, the microchip dispensing area, whatever. It's uh -huh. probably some of the worst fighting I've seen in any of the James Bond movies. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm like, the guy punches him or he, or James Bond punches a guy mm -hmm. and he's like six feet away from him. Yes. <laughs> well, the thing you need to remember in this film is that most of the stunt crew has been with the James Bond franchise since it started back in the sixties. And so most of these guys are getting pretty long in the tooth. Yeah. And it tells. It, yeah. You, you can see it in the way the stunts are set up. These are set for an older stunt crew. They're set for an older actor. And it's the reason that when we get to the next film, you're going to have a lot faster paced action scenes. You're going to have a lot younger and more dynamic yeah. bond. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to it, too. The next movie we're going to watch uh, next week is The Living Daylights. It is my favorite James Bond film. It is the first James Bond film I watched from start to finish as a child. Um, okay. It's it's one of two movies that Timothy Dalton made. He wanted to make more. Didn't get to. We'll talk about that as we get to License to Kill in two weeks. But um, where... Living Daylights is one of my favorite films. License to Kill is the James Bond movie I've seen the least. Okay. I don't know that I've ever seen it from beginning to end. It's it's one that's not looked upon favorably in the James Bond uh, film franchise. We'll see when we get to it. But this week, I 
I was sad. I was sad to see Roger go. I was sad to yeah. see him go with this movie in particular. Yeah. Uh, not going on top. And I know that the actor himself has, has been very upfront about he was ready to leave at this point. He was done. Um, and it, I think this movie is a lesson to me in general of, hey, once you've hit a certain point and it's time to go, maybe just because you can go further, maybe you don't need to. Yeah. It's, it's okay to have an ending maybe sooner than later. And so I, uh, I want to, I want to hold that one in my hat for, for later. Just when it's, when it's time to leave, it's time to leave. (laughs) And on that note, it is time for us to leave. Thank you guys for dropping in next week. We're going to start up the duology of Timothy Dalton bond films, uh, with, Living Daylights. Uh, and if you thought this movie's soundtrack was very 80s, wait till you hear next week. Oh, no. <laughs> it's going to be wonderful and terrible all at the same time. I'll see you next week. Bye.